Five years ago, I had an extremely challenging canine behavior case that I'll never forget. Of all the cases I've had, this one rises above all of them, not because of the dog involved, but because of the people involved, namely a little boy named Mark. It was an amazing learning experience for everyone, and that included me. In today's podcast, I'm going to tell you this story. Welcome to the Dog Aggression Answers Podcast. I'm Scott Schaefer, your host and a certified expert in dog behavior. With a background of helping thousands of aggressive dogs and their owners, I'm here to share humane, science-based solutions for your dog's aggression. Stay tuned. It all began when a concerned dad contacted me about his son named Mark. Mark was an eight-year-old boy who had significant mental disabilities. His dad told me that Mark's doctor said he would never be able to live on his own and would need constant care and supervision for the remainder of his life. The reason Mark's dad called me was because the family dog was beginning to show significant aggression to Mark and apparently only Mark. Over the last six months, the dog had begun staying away or hiding from Mark, had been growling at him, and then only a few days ago had bitten him. The aggression toward Mark had steadily been escalating, according to his dad, and didn't show any signs that it was going to stop. The father told me that Mark had been watching TV in the den only a few days ago, with the dog when all of a sudden he heard his son scream. When he ran to Mark, he noticed he was clutching his face and when he removed his hands, it was obvious the dog had bitten him on the face. It wasn't a bad bite, the father said. There were about three small marks where you could tell the dog's teeth had contacted Mark's skin and just a little bit of blood. After doing my normal behavioral assessment of the dog and questioning the family about all of the details, I determined the problem was Mark was acting inappropriately with the dog. In other words, Mark was innocently and unknowingly doing things that were scary to the dog, like holding him too hard, sitting on him, lying on him, falling on him, grabbing him, and so forth. To Mark, he was showing affection to the dog. However, the dog saw things from a dog's perspective and was terrified of being hurt by Mark. The dog was now using aggression to keep Mark at bay, to keep him away. The dog wasn't being mean to Mark. He was afraid of Mark. Obviously, something needed to change for Mark's safety. But let's not forget that it was also unfortunate for the dog who was experiencing this scary situation too. Even though Mark, of course, would never knowingly hurt the dog. With that being said, our focus was on creating a safe environment for Mark. I had a few questions from Mark's dad that would frame how we could approach the situation. We knew the problem. We thought we knew the problem. How could we approach it? The first question was, 
Was the dog showing aggression to anyone else in the family? The father said no, only to Mark. He was great with everyone else, both inside and outside the family. My next question to his dad was, is this dog important to Mark? The father told me Mark constantly talked about how the dog was his only friend since most people, kids especially, and kids at his school shunned him. Every time he got home, the first thing Mark did was look for the dog. Mark slept with the dog, followed the dog just about everywhere, and just couldn't be torn away from the dog. This dog apparently really was Mark's best friend. Sad and happy at the same time. My last question to Mark's father was, could Mark learn how to more appropriately interact with the dog so that the dog wouldn't be scared of him and then therefore we wouldn't have aggression? I told him this most likely would stop the aggression. The father's answer was heartbreaking and maybe the kind of the low point of this case for me or the saddest point. He looked at me with a palpable look of sadness and after a really long pause said, I wish he could, but no, he won't be able to learn those kinds of things. I'm hoping that you can figure out something, Scott. I don't think Mark is going to be able to help us with this problem. And I'm also not sure he can live without this dog. At this point, I now knew three things. The dog was only showing aggression to Mark. Mark couldn't bear to live without the dog. And finally, Mark was unable to learn proper human canine interactions. What? A bind. How could we make this work and keep everybody happy? It really hurt hearing Mark's father talk about the dog and his son's situation. I have a child. I can't imagine being put in this situation. It's almost a lose-lose. No one's going to win in this. I told him I would have to think about what we could do for Mark and their dog. Our options were limited to say the least. The issue wasn't really the dog. It was Mark who needed to learn how to properly interact with the dog. But his dad had told me that this wouldn't be possible. And since the dog was Mark's best friend, we couldn't consider putting the dog in a different home. I returned to my office and felt pretty discouraged. Mark needed the dog, but he didn't know how to safely interact with the dog. Things were definitely getting increasingly dangerous for Mark also. We couldn't risk another serious bite. We had reached a tipping point and something had to give. I went to bed that night and did something I probably need to do more of. I prayed. I really felt bad for Mark and the family and the dog. But it's really funny talking about it here just like it happened yesterday. Really, there was no canine behavior textbook that covered this situation. That's the understatement. The next morning I got up, 
and I instantly recalled a dream that I'd had that night. We all have that from time to time, recalling dreams like when you immediately wake up. I immediately called Mark's father at around 6.30 a.m., and I'm probably sure I woke him. But I didn't really care because I thought I had an answer, and I knew he wanted to hear that. The dream I had may have actually provided the solution. I don't know where this dream came from. Well, maybe I did when I think about it. In the dream, I was with Mark sitting on a sofa in their den and was handing Mark this big stuffed animal that looked exactly like their family dog. In the dream, I kept handing this to him over and over, and each time he received the dog, he was so happy and giggly, and it was just such a fun thing just sitting there handing him this stuffed animal, this stuffed dog that looked just like their dog, over and over to him, and he was just so happy to have it each time I gave it to him, and then the dream was over. And when I thought about it for one second, I realized maybe this dream provides the answer. Get Mark a large stuffed dog that he could hold. I realized that we may have been looking in all the wrong places. Maybe Mark just needed something to hold, to hold in any way that he wanted without fear of being hurt. We all, including myself, we're seeing it from our personal perspective, not Mark's. I suggested to Mark's father that he buy his son a large stuffed animal to meet the needs of Mark. The father instantly lit up and said, that's perfect. He loves stuffed animals. I'll get one today and I'll try it. This is a great idea. I told him that if Mark is happy and content with his substitution, I would work with them to find a new home for their dog so Mark would be safe and their dog would ultimately be happier, their family dog. Everyone could potentially win and Mark would have this stuffed animal for his emotional needs. The father called me about a week later and said, it worked. Honestly, as I talk about this, I still get chills. Nothing like this that really ever happened to me before. It was just so rewarding in a lot of different ways from what I normally see working with, with dogs. Mark's uncle stepped up and permanently took the dog into his home. The uncle was more than happy to have the dog. He loved that dog. He knew the dog already. And by the way, the dog was a great dog. He was just being scared and didn't know what else to do. And finally, the dog was in a better environment. Mark was in love with his new stuffed animal. In fact, he named it, of all things, I'm sorry, this case just gets to me, Friend. He could hug, sit on, and fall on Friend as much as he wanted. And Friend was perfectly fine with all those things. Mark was not unlike all of us, really. He just needed something to hold. And fortunately, a stuffed animal did the trick. There are two reasons why I love this story. First, Mark and his dog are happier. And Mark is no longer in danger of another bite because of his inability to properly interact with dogs. 
Second, the solution for the dog aggression problem had nothing to do with textbook certifications or clinical canine behavior modification exercises, but it had everything to do with being open to creative and novel solutions that took the people involved into account. Animal and human behavior can never be distilled down to just a bunch of formulaic concepts. Creative solutions can be right in front of us, even when it comes to serious dog behavior issues. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review if this information is helpful. I always appreciate your insights. So visit dogaggressionanswers.com if you'd like to leave me a message. Before we wrap up, this podcast offers educational insights, but for serious dog aggression issues, always consult directly with a certified dog behavior consultant. See you next time and stay tuned.